This is Brave New World. Welcome to the Brave New World podcast, where we look at what sort of world we want to live in post-pandemic, how to live and do business sustainably, and the wicked problems of climate change. How can retail survive and thrive, and what will it look like? Today, I'll be taking a look at a new retail business model, the zero waste shop. What is it, and why is it different? And no better person to tell us than Jess Dollinger from The Good Neighbour in Dundrum here in Dublin. So I'm delighted to welcome Jess to the Brave New World podcast. So welcome, Jess. And maybe you could start by telling us a bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, so as you can tell by my accent right away, uh, I am not Irish. I'm Canadian. Really? Um, I grew up in Montreal. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up in Montreal. Um, and I ended up in Dublin first in 2013, um, doing my master's at UCD. Um, I did a master's in humanitarian action. And um, I loved it. I thought it was great, but I realized really quickly that that's not how I wanted to help. I knew I wanted to help. I wanted to do work in a helpful um, profession. Um, but I think pretty quickly I realized humanitarian action wasn't for me. Um, my partner and I moved back to Canada in 2015. We were there for four years. And um, I think same as everybody else, I was just getting so sick of plastic, um, wondering what I could do to make things change, stumbled into a zero-way shop in Toronto, and I just knew that this was the future. And then we moved back to Dublin in 2019. So it's been a, a transatlantic journey. Wow, so you came back just in time for the pandemic then. <laughs> yeah, yeah perfect timing, wasn't it? Perfect timing to launch a business, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so fantastic, really interesting. So first of all then, we'll start off by by talking about what exactly is a zero waste shop tell me yeah so a zero waste shop is one where we sell everything in bulk uh, our customers bring their own containers their own packaging and they're able to buy as little or as much as they want uh, we sell everything in the shop by weight and uh, a really wide variety of products and so basically we're offering customers the option of purchasing products with no packaging on them so does that mean that people have to bring in their own packaging or do you do you give them packaging that they can put stuff into it? Because you've got to put it into something, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. So the in an ideal world, everybody brings their own containers, their own packaging. Um, I think we can all agree that there's probably enough plastic in the world and we don't need to create more. Uh, but it would be unrealistic to think that everybody would come in with containers their first time. So we do offer uh, paper bags and glass jars for people to take um, or to purchase for the glass jars. But ideally, yes, everyone brings their own container. So what's the process then? So I turn up at your shop for the first time. I haven't got a clue what a zero waste shop is. I've never shopped in a zero waste shop before. So what happens when I walk into your shop? What do I see? So I think the first thing most people see and the first thing that we hope they see is our scales up at the front. Um, because if you bring a container, you'll need to weigh your container first. Um, and that way we're able to fill it and take the weight of the container off. The rest of the shop is full of dispensers, as we call them, and that's where the food is. Um, some of them are gravity dispensers, so the food comes down as you pull a handle. Some of them are scoops. Um, we have different ones for liquids and, and cleaning products. Um, but the first step is always to weigh your container so that way we can accurately weigh what's in the container at the end. So 
what do you sell? Can I come into your shop and buy everything that I can buy in my local supermarket, for example? That is the goal. Um, of course, we don't have a full range of what, a let's say, a super value would have, um, but we are trying to get there. So currently we have a very wide range of products. I think at this point the count is close to 400. Um, so we have everything from grains to cereals, uh, liquids. Uh, so that would be things like olive oil and maple syrup personal hygiene products and um, cleaning products uh, and then everything kind of in between. So we're really trying to make it a one-stop shop. Um, if somebody wants to cook a full meal, we aim to have as many of the ingredients as possible. So obviously you don't sell meat or cheese or anything like that. It's all, it would all be non, non meat, non dairy based products. Um, for the most part, we do sell eggs and we do sell butter. Um, but other than that, no, we wouldn't sell anything that would have any animal products in it. And what about fresh products like fruit or vegetables? Yes, we have a, a good range of uh, organic fruit and veg, uh, as much as possible Irish. And I don't order from outside of Europe um, because we can get quite a wide variety. And I think it's very interesting for people to see what can be grown on the continent and then in Ireland year round. So, you know, you'll, you will see a wide variety, but you probably won't ever see bananas. No. And I suppose it's, it's really that whole thing about eating in season. So at mm. the moment it would be root vegetables and things that you can actually grow in Ireland that are harvested now and leeks. Mm. The leeks are fantastic at the moment, actually. Mm -hmm. Really good, really good. So that's when you're in the shop. So how do you source your products? And they must arrive in something. So how do you get rid of the plastic? Because if you're buying in bulk, they've still got to arrive in a container, presumably. Yes, for sure. Um, so it really depends on the product. Uh, we're trying to set up as many circular models as possible. So a circular model would be where the product arrives in a container that once empty is sent back, cleaned and refilled. And uh, we have a few in the shop already. I'm working on a few more. Um, that's in an ideal world. Obviously, we, we don't grow lentils here. You know, we don't grow rice here. That has to come here in something. So we buy everything in as big quantity as possible. So mostly 25 kilos and as much as possible in a paper bag. Um, of course, there's, there is plastic. You cannot ship nuts in a paper bag. They'll soak right through. Um, again, uh, the, the you know, sizes are as large as we can get them. And then we save as much of the packaging as we can to reuse. Um, I would be, you know, ridiculous to say there's no waste. We do produce some waste. Uh, but we try to be conscious of it. And as much as possible, we reuse it. Um, I have a few product, projects coming up because I've been storing a lot of things in our in our stock room and driving the staff crazy. Uh, but I, I have some ideas of ways to reuse a lot of our packaging as well. And can you share any of those ideas with us just to give us a taste of what you might Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are uh, working on a, a proper website. So to be able to ship just around Ireland and um, a lot of our products would need to go into a box. You know, a soap doesn't need to go into a box. So for things like our paper bags, we are currently working on sewing them into packages, uh, envelopes to be able to send out. Um, so that's just one of the things we're working on. But uh, we shred our cardboard boxes if we can't reuse them. Um, and we use that as packing. So our Christmas hampers were all stuffed with our boxes that had been shredded. Mm. And so it sounds like that is quite a lot of work for you in terms of, you know, to try and repurpose 
packaging that comes in. So something comes in in a big sack, which you then cut up and make into something else. So is that not very labor intensive for you? It is. Yes. Um, and I think that's something that people often don't see when it comes to, you know, business owners is all the stuff that has to go on in the background. Mm. Um, but that's just part of owning this kind of shop. I, mm. I think in order to call ourselves in any way sustainable, we have to be conscious and, and spend the time thinking about the waste that we're producing and what we can do with it. Um, our society, we've become very used to convenience and just getting rid of things and having everything right away and getting rid of it right away. Yeah. Um, but there is no away. It's all going somewhere. And um, we just have to do what we can. We'll never be perfect. Nobody will ever be perfect. But if we're doing everything that we can, I think I'm happy with that. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And, and certainly for me, um, I, I would have a big problem with the word waste because mm. the word waste implies that it's something that's no longer of any value and something that somebody doesn't want any longer. So I think if we switch our perception of waste around to a resource, so the packaging that you're having to throw away, wherever away is, but that's a whole other argument. But like, you know, you think of the things that you're you're disposing of because it's a, something that's arrived in a big sack that you can't use any longer. Traditional thinking would be that that is waste. So therefore, mm -hmm. you put it into your grey bin and it probably ends up being incinerated or in a landfill somewhere. Whereas what you're saying is that your, your business model means that you take that sack and you try to make it into something else. So you're mm -hmm. prolonging the life of that product. So thereby it doesn't become waste. It's a resource that you're then changing into something else. And hopefully when your customer receives that packaging, they will then reuse it for something else as well, rather than mm -hmm. them throwing it away and it becoming waste. So I think, you know, just, you know, to talk about zero waste really means you're changing waste into a resource. Um, and I think that's really the, the think the, the sort of shift in thinking that, that, that really needs to happen. So that's yeah, I would agree. And I also, um, I really struggle with the term zero waste, to be honest. And I, before opening, I really thought, should I call it a zero waste grocery shop? Because that seems so misleading. But unfortunately, at this point, it's a catchphrase. It gets people's attention. Um, and I think the most important thing is just getting people in the door, interested in the idea and, and looking at reducing their waste. Uh, nobody is zero waste. It's not possible. Um, but we can all strive towards it and not feel discouraged that we're not going to achieve it. Um, you know, we'll never be perfect, but we can try. I think so. And I, and I think the word zero is just sort of entered into the lexicon now of sustainability, that that's a word that, that, that people seem to aspire to. So we have zero carbon. And again, there's no such thing as zero carbon. We're always going to produce carbon. It's how we, how we, um, it's how we how we uh, use it, really, I suppose, and, and, and how much of it we produce, which brings me on to your carbon footprint <laughs> very nicely. It'll segue for that. And um, so do you do you measure your carbon footprint or how do you how do you see your carbon footprint as a as, as a sustainable business? Um, I think it's a very important thing to be aware of. Um, it's also incredibly difficult to calculate. So that is something we're working on. We have a, a former staff member who is finishing his master's and um, has offered to you know, figure it out for us. As a starting point right now, we do have a membership with a local company uh, or a local organization who are planting trees and extending hedgerows in the east of Ireland. So um, it's not enough. 
and I'm aware that it's not enough, um, but it is something that, you know, is, is a starting point and it's something I hope to focus on in the next year is mm-hmm. getting that calculation and properly figuring out how to offset it um, because I know that they're, I actually even don't even really love the word offset, um, but, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of organizations out there and some of them, them are doing a very good job of helping companies offset it and other ones you kind of wonder if it's efficient enough. Um, so, yeah, that's something I plan to explore next year. Yeah, I think I think getting to the core of what your carbon footprint is, is actually it, again, carbon footprint is a lovely term that everybody uses, but actually when you start looking at what does that actually mean, and for a retailer, you know, you're looking at not just the carbon footprint of how you operate, i.e., you know, you've, you've cut down the amount of waste you produce, and, you know, you, you probably use an, an, a, a green energy supplier to supply the energy to your shop. But aside from that, once you're selling product, you're then having to look at the carbon footprint of that product. And it gets mm-hmm. much more complicated then when you start looking at the supply chain, because you say we don't grow lentils in Ireland. We don't produce almonds in Ireland. We don't produce walnuts. There's lots of things. We don't produce much pasta either. There's a little bit, but I mean, all the pasta that's produced probably comes from somewhere else. So then you start looking at the carbon footprint of your goods that you're selling, and it all of a sudden becomes much more complicated. So I think it is, it is, is certainly something to develop an awareness of but I think for most businesses, it's more about looking at things from a more holistic point of view when it comes to carbon footprint. But nevertheless, to start anywhere is mm. good. And I think that's the thing is rather than be overwhelmed by the whole concept of carbon footprint is to just to start small and to start looking at it and then for it to become a journey. So I think that's it's interesting that you've that even as a, even as a sustainable business, you're finding that quite mm-hmm. quite quite challenging to really start looking at. So yeah, so yeah that's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So just to get back to the actual food itself that you sell, then how do you cope with, given the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic at the moment, and so everybody is obsessed with hygiene and washing their hands and and, and hand sanitizer? How do you stop people touching the food when there's no packaging on it? Uh, yeah, so we we do uh, have a few different types of dispensers. Um, luckily, the gravity type dispensers are there's no way for people to touch the food in there. They're completely airtight and it's in a separate compartment. Um, our scoop dispensers, on the other hand, it's in the word. You have to grab a scoop and, and pull things out. So one change we've made since the pandemic started is we used to have one scoop per dispenser. People share the same scoop shocking to look back and think we were all touching the same thing um so we've taken them out and now we use one scoop per item um for actually touching the food we are we may not always look like we are but we are always watching um we unfortunately have had to get rid of food over the past little while because of people coming in and and not paying attention to the rules or you know kids um which is totally understandable of course they're sticking their hands in there um so we're just very aware of what goes on in the shop we try to always make sure we know what people are doing um and i think we've gotten pretty good at uh catching people as they're reaching a hand in um (laughs) sometimes a simple oi gets their attention quickly enough for them to pull their hand out. Um, And most people are very good about it and they'll ask if they're not sure. Um, So yes, it's a concern that some people have, but I would say as a whole, there's really no issue there. It's interesting when I think about it there. So therefore the sort of, the way you operate your shop, you've got very different 
jobs and a very different set of functions to a normal in inverted commas grocery shop yeah. for example i mean as you've just said there you've got all these scoops so if they're only being used once that means they've got to go off you know into the into the back area and you've got to wash them yeah. presumably before they can be reused again and like you think about the whole process of of, of filling the shelves when you fill your shelves you're then left with packaging that you're recycling or reusing whereas a traditional grocery shop you go to the back of you know any supermarket and you'll see stacks and stacks and stacks of cardboard and and big huge great big waste containers and and that's easy in inverted commas for them because that's their process mm. for you what you're doing is labor intensive but in a different way because you're having to reuse and clean the materials that people are using to buy with whereas in a traditional supermarket you'd go and lift the package off the shelf put it into your trolley and then away you go and you're disposing of the waste at home so mm -hmm. in a way you're actually doing the job of the consumer for them because if, mm -hmm. if if i come home with a traditional basket of groceries from my local supermarket then i unpack it and then i've got a load of waste that i then have to dispose of Right. Some of which I'll be able to put into the recycling bin, but some of which will go into the grey bin. So what you're doing is you're taking that job away from me. So in a way, you're making you're reducing my bills because I'm not now paying for disposing of that waste because you're either taking away the waste in the first place or you're re re, re reusing and repurposing it. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if, if consumers thought about it that way, rather than this being a big fast because they've got to go in and measure all their own stuff. But in a way, you're you're actually making life easier for us, if I've explained that in a I don't have to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I agree. And I think the biggest thing for a lot of people is yes, a hundred percent in the beginning, it is a bit it's, it's more, it, it's always going to be more effort, but once you have a system in place, it's a lot easier. And I think the biggest thing is that people need to, that people will just naturally become more aware over time uh, of how much they consume in a week so that you then know when you come for your shop, I need to fill a container this big of oats. I need to fill a container or, you know, this is my oat container and I know that it'll last me till the end of next week. Um, so I think once people have a system, you know, it becomes much easier. And that's when they really start to notice the difference at home in the amount of waste they're producing. We have a lot of people who, uh, especially over Christmas, you know, it's hard, you know, people are busy. And we had a lot of people who were regular customers and stopped for a few weeks. And they've come back in and they've said they actually couldn't believe how much waste they were producing going to a regular shop. Um, and I, I think for a lot of people, once they see that, it drives them to come back in. Mm. Mm, interesting really interesting so so who is your customer who would you I mean, you probably don't have a typical customer but who are the, what are the types of people that come and shop in your shop yeah i think you know same as most people i had a very i had a preconceived idea about who the customers at a zero waste shop would be um and I, it hasn't been that, and it's such a wide variety of people. It's really been amazing. Um, Dundrum would be a very uh, kind of suburban family area. So of course we have a, a great number of young families. Um, we also did work with the Volunteer Educate Together uh, classes. We had a few of them in pre-pandemic. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that would be a large part of our clientele. But I've just been amazed at the, the diversity. I think we also get a remarkable number of grandmothers because I think that grandmothers realize 
that they want to leave a, a better word, world for their grandkids. Um, and I'd say grandmothers are probably our most dedicated customers and they will drag their husbands in sometimes and the husbands are less than thrilled a lot of the time I'd say. Um, but that would be a big one. And I think the other one that I was shocked at is uh, young men. And now some of them I think are being sent in by their partners, but a lot of them are just, I think they had the same realization that they, they want to make a difference. And when something simple and easy is presented to them, they're going to take that option. Um, so we have a lot of young men who come in, they have their same containers every week. They know what they want to fill up. And I think they, they feel a lot of pride uh, coming in and making that little change. So I, it's, it's a very wide variety, uh, a wide variety of people, but um, I think it's for everybody. And that's the thing people are starting to realize anyone can zero waste shop. Um, and a lot of people really enjoy it more than a standard supermarket. Brilliant, brilliant. So tell me, have, have you benefited from the whole shop local thing that's, that's, really, that's really come to the fore much more during the pandemic where people have been limited to only traveling within a few kilometers mm -hmm. of their house the shop? Has that made a difference to your business or was it always there? I think we attract the type of people who would have always shopped local. Um, however, what I've seen is it, it, it seemed almost just like a slogan, a catchphrase in the past. And I think the pandemic has really made people realize that the shops they value most are the local ones. They're the ones that you like to go to and the people who remember your name and will chat with you. So I think that I think that that focus is strengthened and will continue to. Um, and I think in a positive way, the pandemic has has done that for us. I think on the flip side, the interesting thing is that people are very unaware of where their food comes from. Mm. So we get a lot of people coming in and saying, well, is this all local? And it's hard to explain. Not It's not hard to explain to people, but it does seem uh, people are very unhappy sometimes when they find out that, you know, the cashews aren't Irish, but we just can't grow these things here. It's just not an option. Um, and so that's an interesting thing. I think we're very out of touch with uh, what can be grown where and when. Mm. Um, so that's the one thing we've noticed. The flip side to it is that people want to support local, uh, but sometimes they aren't aware of what local is. Mm. Mm. And I think, too, it's been highlighted by the pandemic in a sense, in that the global supply chain was so disrupted by the pandemic that all of a sudden people do realize that their cashews come from across the other side of the world because, because the supply chain was disrupted. It's meant that we, that we maybe there was an interruption in the supply. So, mm -hmm. so that, that there's, that there's, there's a bit of realization happening there as well, I think. So Jess, we're coming to the, towards the end of the discussion now, but what, what, so what's the future for you and the good neighbor? I think that, and it doesn't have to be the good neighbor, but I think that there could and should be a shop like this um, in every neighborhood. And there is a demand for it. I get messages all the time from people all over Dublin, all over Ireland, looking for a shop like this. Um, and even since we opened in December of 2019, I think I've seen at least six more zero waste shops, six, I think, open around the country. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, I, I hope that we're able to open a second shop soon. And I hope that more shops like us open. Um, I've been contacted by a lot of other zero waste shop owners or prospective owners. Um, and I think that's what's different about this industry is that we're happy to help each other. We have a common goal and the interest is there. So, you know, I'm very hopeful about the future and I think uh, it's all positive from here. 
So we, we could see a good neighbour in every neighbourhood. And so world domination is next then for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and I think that's interesting too, because I think within the, within the sort of people who would take sustainability seriously, the whole idea of collaborating with a competitor is something which in traditional retail would be a bit of an anathema. People wouldn't really be talking to because they would see somebody doing the same thing as them as a competitor, so therefore not going to share anything. Yeah. And I think that whole concept of collaborating is is really important. And certainly I think to to solve some of the big problems that we've got in the world in relation to the climate crisis is going to need collaboration. Um, and so yeah, 100 percent and i think that you know if retailers can get their head around it i think that they they stand a lot to gain a huge amount more with collaborating with people in the same area as them than they're going to lose yeah so that's brilliant jess thank you so much so thank you so much for sharing your experience as a sustainable retailer and thank you for very much for listening to the end of this podcast I hope it sparks some new thinking for your business and how you can survive and thrive in 2021. You can find out more about The Good Neighbour on their website, which is goodneighbour.ie, and you can find them on Instagram at the dot good, the dot, I'm going to get this right, at the dot good dot neighbour. Anyway, I'm sure if you just Google The Good Neighbour, you'll find it. You can find out more about me and read my weekly blog posts on my website, retailrenewal.ie, where you can also sign up for my newsletter. You can follow me on social media as Linda Ward or at Retail Renewal. And you can listen out for the next podcast when we will be celebrating some more women in retail. So stay tuned and please subscribe on your favourite podcast channel. Thanks again and chat to you next time. This is Brave New World. 